what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Last weekend, I was honored to be involved in a dealer-exclusive Harley-Davidson event in Nashville, Tennessee. I was lucky enough after the event to go eat dinner with the factory rider, Sammy Brandon Jared, and also got to meet the factory Harley-Davidson drag race team, Andrew and Eddie, for the first time. How cool was that? As a kid, I used to sit back and wonder what it was like to be a factory Harley-Davidson rider. How lucky am I to sit down and have dinner with the factory riders? I had a lot of fun. During our dinner conversation, they informed me that Jared Vandekoy has a new nickname, Captain Chaos. Hmm, will that stick? We'll have to wait and see. The Waters Auto Body KTM race team announced that Wyatt Anderson would make the move from the singles class up to the twins class. And they also picked up Hurricane Sandy to ride the singles for the entire season. Hopefully we'll have more details on that. Maybe we can catch up with the two riders later on. I might be heading to Dallas this weekend to take care of some business down there. One of my favorite things about this project is giving you, the listener, the opportunity to get to know the people of our sport. My next guest is my partner in crime for the last two seasons, Heather DeVoe. Heather, are you there? Well, hello there, Scotty. How are you? I'm great, Heather. The uh, the girl in the purple shirt. So they uh, a lot of the riders give you a hard time because they say you always wear a purple shirt. Are you sure I, that's the color shirt I wear? I'm not 100% sure I was wearing purple all season long. I think I think it's purple. I mean, it's kind of a light lavenderish purple. So, yeah, purple's the yes, way we go purple. with it. It's purple. Yeah. Well, they don't give me a hard time wearing my same shirt every every race. I know. See, I was uh, pointing that out, I believe, to um, Gary Gray with Indian. He was giving me a hard time at the banquet. And I said, so let me ask you a question, Gary. What do your riders wear? Are those the same leathers, like same colors every week? Is that the same? And then what about your team shirt? Is that the same every week? And he was like, okay, fine. You have a point. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't get why everybody was like, why are you wearing purple? Why is it no, purple? That, that's know. what they gave you. That's your uniform. So uh, let's back up a little bit. I met you actually at the uh, start of the 2016 season. Yourself and Kim Kuhn were hired to come on and do our pit road reporting, help out with opening ceremonies, and then interview the winners. So uh, met you down there at Daytona. And uh, I was impressed right off the bat, Heather, because you, uh, you and Kim, okay, we did a media day down there at uh, the, the offices down there, and you and Kim were there for every minute of it, taking notes and getting to know our riders. So uh, kudos to you for doing that. And uh, I see you at the racetrack. You still, you still take notes on all the riders. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's just kind of part of the gig. Um, Kim and I, we come from the NASCAR industry and that scene, so it's kind of part of what we've always done. But the funny thing is, is I was actually down in Daytona for speed weeks for NASCAR. And I got a text message from Rick Allen, who's the lead announcer for NBC sports and their NASCAR footage. And he said, Hey, would you want to do flat track? And I was like, sure, I'll do whatever. But I'm, I got to admit, I wasn't familiar with it. I kind of really didn't even know what it was, but I was like, sure, I'll do it. And then a couple days later, Kim texted me and said, do you want to do flat track? And I said, Apparently this flat track thing is a big deal because everybody keeps mentioning it this week while I'm down in Daytona. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So that was kind of the first time I'd heard of it. Um, they were looking for someone to come out and report. So Kim and I, um, people in the industry had recommended us like Rick Allen. I believe Chris Savota was one of those people as well. And so we were like, sure, let's do it. And Kim kind of negotiated for what races we'd work because we split the schedule. And then my first race was Daytona of 
2016. Is that right? Gosh, mm-hmm. It seems like it was that, just yesterday, but yeah, uh, that was right? uh, my first experience. But I will and, tell you something. I think it was meant to be because I don't know if I've ever told you this story. In 2015, in November, um, a good friend of mine, Katie Osborne, she does torque and snow cross, and she's the Power Nation host. You can see her covering like Mecham auctions. Well, she reached out to me and said, hey, my, my buddy Todd, who does some freelance video work for different companies, needs a on-camera host for the Long Beach International Motorcycle Show. Like, could you do it? Because I'm not available. I said, sure. So I went. And guess who I met there? Uh, Roland Sands. He was right. designing, you know, his bikes, and they were headed to the Super Prestigio in Las Vegas that weekend. Right. And then I also met, I believe I met Gary Gray as well when they were introducing their new Indian motorcycle. And I also got a chance to interview J.D. Beach and Cameron Bobier because they were the Moto America riders and champs that time. So I think it was just in the atmosphere of the universe that I was supposed to end up covering motorcycles. <laughs> so it was just, it was cool just story. meant to be. It was just meant to be for you. Exactly. So you're not only just thrown into the uh, flat track world, like you just said, the, your story there, but you also cover, you know, NASCAR, the Canaan West, ARCA. But how did how did you get involved and get started announcing? Well, I've always been into motorsports, uh, you know, watching NASCAR on Sundays with my dad. Uh, he always had motorcycles growing up, so I always went for rides with him. But when I was in high school, he got back into racing. He used to race as a kid, like quarter midgets and things like that. But he played sports too. So his parents told him you got to either pick stick and ball or racing because it's too expensive to do both. So he went the sports direction. So when I was in high school, he was getting back into racing in the hopes that actually my sister and I would race. So he started in dwarf cars, which are very similar to legends. They're just little smaller cars that are ran with motorcycle engines. So he started in those and worked his way into dirt modified. And myself, my sister and him were at the track every weekend. We were kind of his pit crew. And then my sister became less interested, so it was just me and my dad working on the cars, scaling the cars on the weekdays, and racing out at the track on the weekends. So it kind of was part of what I did. So that's how I got into motorsports. And then um, in 2008, I want to say, I was on MySpace. Yeah, I was on MySpace. We all were on MySpace at one MySpace. point. But there was a, <laughs> yes, there was an advertisement for um, a casting call for Speed Channel. And it said, join in on the action, road tour team, NASCAR. And I, I just clicked on it, like, well, what's this? And basically, it was a team that traveled with Speed Channel to every single NASCAR Cup Series event. And our job was to bring fans over to the speed stage where they film live shows and get them just kind of hyped up and ready to go for the live taping. Um, but when I clicked on it, I had no idea what it was. You had to send in a video of what you would do to get a crowd pumped up. So I made this video at our friend's house in front of their dirt modified. And I talked about Tony Stewart being a fence climbing driver and all this weird stuff. So then they ended up flying probably 50 of us to Charlotte, did a three-day interview process. They hired five of us to travel. And that's how I started in NASCAR. I had never talked on a microphone. I've never been on camera at this point. It was just kind of something that I was thinking could be fun to do because I like NASCAR. And then just being around Speed Channel and the TV shows, it kind of gets you into it because you're behind the scenes. You see how everything goes, whether you're a camera person or you're on camera. We were around them enough to understand the logistics of what went into a television show. And um, towards the end of my first year in 2009, my boss said, hey, we need someone to help co-host at 
the Jimmy Jam, which is an event that Jimmy Johnson would put on for his fans and Lowe's employees and people like that. But we need someone to help co-host with Rutledge Wood and we stream it live on the internet. Would you be interested? I said, sure. So my first ever on-camera interview was Jimmy Johnson. But at that time, he was only three-time. He only had three championships, but now he's seven-time. So it's pretty wild to look back and think that I interviewed someone of that caliber my first time ever on camera doing anything. It was pretty scary, but it was fun. How'd you do? How'd you do on that first live on camera with Jimmy Johnson? I think I did pretty good, I would say. I mean, I was definitely nervous, but I will say that afterwards, um, I was kind of standing around. They always have a musical guest at those Jimmy Jams. That's what they call them, a jam. And I think it was Sister Hazel was the guest, and me and Rutledge were watching the band, and then Jimmy walks up to me, and he goes, hey, um, great job. I had no idea you'd never done that before. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like more nervous <laughs> in that moment of him telling me I did a good job than actually interviewing him. So I feel like not, I'm not bragging or anything. This is legit what happened. I think that him telling me I did a good job made me feel like I did a good job. So I was like, okay. And this coming from someone who had been interviewed by not only everyone in NASCAR, but I mean, he had been on, you know, the Today Show and all this other stuff that he's probably been interviewed at this point by like, I don't know, hundreds, thousand people. So it was pretty neat to get that kind of feedback from him. But from then on, I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this. So kind of how it started. Kind of a roundabout way, but kind of a weird way to get to it. Also, also people always ask me like, oh, did you go to broadcast journalism school? No, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to that. No, (laughs) but seriously, I've taught myself kind of as I just learn as I gone from watching people and, um, you know, getting advice from, you know, the people in the sport that have done it longer than I have. So it's kind of been a learning process, but it's definitely been awesome. And I've enjoyed the ride so far. And I hope it continues for many, many years. <laughs> well, what I think is cool, though, is I think I think you've learned that and listened to enough people uh, you know, doing interviews. You know, like you said, growing up, going to the racetrack with your dad. Uh, similar story to me. I, you know, I don't have any professional journalism, you know, training or schooling or anything like that. But just growing up at a racetrack definitely helps, I think. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, when we come out to Phoenix sometime, I got to meet your dad because he's uh, – He's uh, turned into quite the fan. He uh, gives us a lot of constructive criticism and, and tells us what's going on. And, and he, he hits the nail on the head every time you tell me your, your dad texts you or tells you something we did wrong. It, it's always correct. He's, he's, he's on it, that's for sure. Yeah, he knows his stuff. He's a very intelligent, knowledgeable man, especially when it comes to sports and motor sports. And he definitely likes to give, I like how you put it, constructive criticism. That was a nice (laughs) way to put it, Scotty, because sometimes he's very, um, tell it like it is. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. He's just going to let you know and tell you. And I appreciate that. You know, honesty is always nice. But sometimes it could be a little hard because he'd be like, why would you say that? Why would you ask that question? Why didn't you ask him this? Why did he do that? And you're like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I failed. (laughs) I I get the same stuff from my family. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, hopefully one day I'll get to yeah, meet we'll him. Have so. to, maybe we'll bring him to the race in Phoenix and have That'd everybody awesome. meet him because he's, he's definitely a character, somebody fun to hang out with. Um, not a lot of people know, but I sort of am my dad's caregiver. He had a stroke about three years ago, so I helped take care of him. But if this tells you something about him, he had a nice – he still does have a nice Suzuki M109 and wow. he was hoping to be able to ride that again. I don't know if we'll get there, but when he was getting out of the hospital, he said, okay, I need to get a dirt bike so that when I learn how to ride again, I won't drop my nice bike. 
So right. long story short, we now have three motorcycles. He's bought two <laughs> since he had the stroke. And I'm his little mechanic because he has to have his motorcycles and any of his toys or his truck just the way he wants it. So I've helped him kind of customize a few of those bikes and Perfect. put, you know, hand guards and different things on. And I don't know if people know that about me, but I'm sort of a jack of all trades. And I, and I could be a mechanic. So maybe if any of the teams need any help at the track with anything maybe i could turn some wrenches for some of them yeah, one day you, you could just set the microphone down and then turn some wrenches and then pick the microphone back up and tell everybody what you just did perfect maybe we should yeah. do that that would be yeah fun. I, th- I think so kind of like a, you know like like uh you know christy lee they do that girl's garage we could do something incorporate that into the to the show somehow yes that would be a great <laughs> idea you know what else on that on that note i was talking to i think it was kenny Coolbest. And he said that I should go and take him and Mike Hacker's like school. And I was thinking I definitely need to do that because I'm still learning about flat track and I know more than I did before, but I would like to kind of be able to get to a point where I could understand what the riders are feeling and things like that when they're actually on the motorcycle. Cause I think that would help. And maybe it would open my eyes to some things that maybe I haven't thought about. So Maybe we should do that too. What do you think? I think we I think we should do that together and then film it and then we could have a little uh video we could play during the races. Perfect. I'm in. All right. I'm in too. Let's let's get that uh, signed up. So uh you said there's a lot of fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I know it's a lot of work too and people think we just show up and look pretty and and talk and then we leave, but uh is there something crazy behind the scenes that uh, people don't know or people don't see that you can talk about? That I can talk about, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's all kinds of fun stuff that happens. Um, as most people know, the NBC show is taped. Unfortunately, I wish it was live, but it is taped. So we, um, throughout the day, we'll go and interview riders and do features, or we might just talk about what happened in the semi, things like that. But there have been a few times where we may have had to do one or two takes because I either stumble over my words or something funny is said, or maybe even the rider might think, oh, wait, I forgot to thank someone. Let's, can we do that again kind of thing? So I'm not perfect. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> and there are times where maybe we have to do something else. Like, for example, I always laugh at myself, and uh, Shana will tell you this. For some reason, I don't know why, every time I would introduce her, I would say Shaner Texter. Like, I would add an <laughs> R to the end of her name literally every time. And she was like, Heather, really? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe I keep saying this. I don't know if you knew this, but every time I'd be like, yeah, here was Shana Texter or Shana. And I don't know why it was the weirdest thing, but I guess it's just the texter. I was trying to combine her name into one. Um, so that's one thing that kind of always made me laugh because every time I would go over to Shana, I would get nervous, like that I was going to say her name wrong again. And it was just so embarrassing. I'm like, geez, Heather, get it together. But for some reason, Every time that would happen. Towards the end of the season, I was able to stop it. Yeah. I have to spend extra time thinking about it. I know. And then you get like in your own head. So then you mess up more. Because that's what happens. If you're thinking Mm -hmm. about messing up, you're going to mess up. And I think people would even agree maybe with even racing. I mean, if you're focused on something, it's kind of almost like if you're going to try to avoid that rock in the road and you're You're staring at it, you're going to drive right into it. Exactly. (laughs) It's the same it's the same thing, but I think another funny thing that just kind of popped into my mind, um, I think we were in, it, it was Sacramento, and I was interviewing Kenny Roberts, who is all sorts of fun and awesome. Pink Kenny. Yeah, Pink Kenny. 
And uh, so he's, we're talking, and then mid-sentence he says, do you want to see my nuts? And he pulls a bag of peanuts out of his pocket, and I just start laughing because I'm just like, yeah, those are amazing. And he goes, and then he starts on this rant about peanuts or whatever kind of nuts they were. I don't even know what this time. Maybe they were almonds. I don't even know. But he just starts going on, and we ended up having to cut that portion of the interview out. But I was dying, and I just kept rolling with it because I was like, you know what? This is great. Maybe they'll use it. Maybe they won't, but I think it's awesome. Yeah, you have to you have to you have to roll with the punches sometimes for sure. I mean, there's a lot of different challenges at every racetrack, and different challenges come up with different interviews too. So that's really good stuff. Uh, so you've been in flat track now for two seasons. Uh, do you love the sport? What are you thinking? Yes, absolutely. I'm hooked. I I remember last season, or I'm sorry, 2016. After just a couple races, I remember telling people like, um, if flat track was even more often, or if I could get on their schedule full time, like I would jump ship from four wheels in a second because the racing is that good. I don't think people kind of understand until they see it. And it's even better when you go to watch it in person. I mean, the things that these guys and girls do on the bikes is unbelievable. It still blows my mind, especially when you think about it. And I mean, I've gotten chills multiple times at multiple, like even sometimes multiple times in one event, just from Mm -hmm. watching the racing and the bar to bar action and how close they get. And the saves that some of them have made have been awesome. So it's, I'm, I'm addicted. I'm officially, you know, I'm never going to go away. (laughs) Hopefully not. Yeah. And not just the racing. I mean, it definitely reminds me of when my dad used to race modifieds on dirt. Like obviously it's good to be back at a dirt track because that feels like home to me, but it also does feel like you're at a Friday or Saturday night race in like a small town because it's very family oriented even if people aren't necessarily related it's a big family out there and even if there's rivals and you think people don't like each other there's still that connection of you know just camaraderie and support like if they need it if a rider gets injured or even just at the track I've seen guys helping each other out with borrowing tools and parts and things like that so it's it's a great atmosphere and the racing is spectacular. So I don't, I don't think there's really much that would beat that at this point. I agree 100%. So, uh, you've been to a lot of racetracks, you know, during your announcing career, and I'm not talking only flat track, but all the other, you know, motorsports you've announced. Do you have a favorite racetrack? Um, I don't, I can't, uh, it's tough to pick a favorite cause I have a few, um, I can maybe break it down into categories, but I think, okay. Like if I'm gonna go to a if I'm gonna go NASCAR, I I would say Talladega because the racing there is great, but also the atmosphere is like no other party you've ever seen. So I would definitely right. recommend Talladega, um, right. Bristol, short track okay. racing. Any kind of short track racing is great. Bristol's awesome. And then if I'm gonna switch over to some dirt track races, I think that we should actually go race flat track. Should race at Eldora. Yes. I enjoyed when I visited that dirt track and um, the crowds they get are awesome and the atmosphere there is really cool. So I think Eldora would be a good track maybe to try. But And then I think I'm going to stay for flat track. Like I've, My favorite mile would definitely be Springfield Mile because the finishes we've seen in the last two seasons have been so close and then how fast they're going. And I the show, the last race there, the NBC show, the footage was unreal and the how much the riders were swapping back and forth and it was awesome. So I definitely, I like the fast tracks. I do like short tracks too, but anytime they're going above, you know, 130, 140 miles an hour, 
that's my favorite. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with you on everything you said. Uh, we actually race bikes at Eldor. It's been quite a while back, but Eldora was actually a little bit higher banked back in the day. And they, they used to put, we didn't have air fence, so we had to put the hay bales up there. And when somebody hit the hay bales, they would kind of explode, and then they would just have to go down. So they went down in front of the other bikes and stuff like that. So it was a little bit dangerous. I think now that we have the air fence, if we could find a way to secure it up against the wall, I would love to see the bikes go back to Eldora you know, in, in a heartbeat. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, let's talk about something new you did at the end of the season. And uh, we, I saw some some crazy pictures and, and you started out, I, I think you and Danny Medine started this. I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, you're, you got into some fitness competition and you are ripped. <laughs> well, that was, that was back in November. So we've had the holidays and Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I've basically been eating everything I want, but yes, uh, Danny Medine and myself, we started training for a bikini competition, which is a fitness competition. It's kind of the lower level of bodybuilding for women. So you don't have to get super jacked. You don't have to look manly for this division, but we uh, trained for that. I took 10 weeks to train while I was still traveling on the road. So that meant, you know, working out in the gym. I, some days I'd be there three hours a day doing lifting and abs and cardio. And then your meal plan is very strict. It's a lot of lean protein, um, veggies, sweet potato, egg whites, so really nothing that you really want to eat, like, you know, cookies and <laughs> brownies. Good, good stuff. Sweet stuff. <laughs> All the good stuff. Greasy burgers and fries and pizza. Oh, and donuts. Can't have those either. Uh, Mexican food. These are all the things that I was craving <laughs> after, you know, doing the show for 10 weeks. So I, I prepped for 10 weeks. It was my first ever show that I've done. I actually didn't tell many people that I was doing it. So it, it doesn't surprise me that you're like, whoa, you did this show? Like. I didn't even know you were doing that. Um, I just kind of wanted to push myself. I've always been athletic. Um, I've always had a high metabolism, so I've been lucky enough to be able to eat what I want without gaining a bunch of weight. But this time I decided, okay, I'm actually going to push myself, see what I can do, see how I can transform my body. And I, I competed in open and novice, and I ended up placing seventh out of 12 or 13 girls in each class. So I'm proud of myself. I, I thought I did well for my first showing, but funny that you bring it up because I'm currently a week and a half into training for another show. Wow. <laughs> I might be a little crazy, but I really want a trophy. I thought I had a chance at a top five. They give these trophies out that look almost like you're getting like a, an Oscar or a golden globe, but they're just like gold, little bronze, like muscled people. And I really wanted one top five, get a trophy. I missed it by two spots. So my goal is this show, which is March 24th, is to place in the top five in one of the classes so I can get a show. All right. Because, <laughs> you know, everybody's competitive and wants to win. I don't care if I get first. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. But I just really, really want a top five. Because my goal last show was just to look like I could be on stage and compete with those girls. And then once I kind of got more into it, I was like, oh, it'd be awesome to get first call outs, which is, they bring you out in your lines and they judge you. And then everybody goes back to one line and then they do first call outs and they call out like the top six or seven girls. And I ended up getting first call outs in both classes. So that was excellent because I thought that was a really good goal and I achieved it. Um, but this time I want to play. So I'm currently not loving life because I'm eating foods that <laughs> I don't want to be eating necessarily all the time. And I've had to 
not cheat and get Jimmy John's and, you know, things like that. But that's okay. I can do it. Because I'm trying to get a show in before the season gets fully underway. Because once you're traveling, it's really hard to try to manage your meals on the road. Because you got to, you know, make sure you have a refrigerator and a microwave and or somewhere that you can go out to eat that you can get that healthy option. And it's just kind of a lot going on once you're on the road like I am. So. Yeah, and, th- and then when you get to the racetrack, you're at the racetrack 8, 10, 12 hours a day. There's not much chance to eat anything that's really healthy for you. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of bringing, you know, protein shakes or, or almonds, um, protein bars, and then getting creative. Like, I know at the track, I don't know if you saw me, I definitely ate turkey, like ground turkey that I had cooked. Like I ate it cold because I didn't have a microwave (laughs) and veggies pulled, but I was just like, eh, whatever. I'm still eating my protein as long as I don't cheat and have that greasy chili dog over there or those nachos that I really want, then we're good. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever you got to do to make it work. Uh, I wish you good luck on your uh, next competition in March. So let's, uh, re, Recap on 2017 a little bit. Did anything stick out to you? I mean, if you think back on 2017, besides Jared Meese's dominance, uh, what else stands out to you? I would say my biggest standouts, if we're not talking about Jared, because he just completely blew everybody out of the water. And it's amazing to see what he did, because not a lot of riders, racers, people in motorsports have had a season like that so congrats to him because that was pretty amazing especially when we could take a step back and like look at it after it's all said and done but I think that the first time winners especially in the twins class like Briar Bauman at at Lima that was awesome um I mean the emotion that came from him like just seeing the tears in his eyes and then literally everybody on the front stretch congratulating him and high-fiving him. And then even you, I remember when we did our first season, you always told me, if Briar wins, I'm doing the interview. And I said, yeah, no problem. No problem. It's all yours. So that was really cool that you were able to finally do that and come down and interview Briar. And I mean, he almost seemed like he was in shock and it was just so neat. That was a really cool moment. And Carver at Texas. I mean, Briar Carver, I would say, um, Sammy Halber, a lot of those guys, that weren't on the Indian team. They, a lot of the privateers really showed some strength, especially like later on in the season. But I knew some of them were so close. Like Brad Baker was so close to win so many times. Um, But those other guys just really impressed me by pulling it off, by racing, you know, with their own teams and things like that. And Carver is one of the most laid back, chill, relaxed, cool guys you know like he's just very calm and you know I don't, I don't even know how to explain it like so relaxed and zen yeah zen's a good word like he's there very you go chill. I like that yep yeah and uh it's so it was neat to see him get up there and I remember um we were getting ready to do the interview and he's throwing his luscious locks back into a ponytail because he's got <laughs> that long curly hair Mm-hmm. And I said, where'd you get that hair tie? And he goes, well, I actually keep it on my handlebars. Like he keeps a hair tie on his handlebars so that <laughs> when he gets off the bike, he can just throw his hair up. And I was like, wow. Cause most people would just keep it on their wrist, but no, he's like, yeah, I've always got one on my handlebars. He goes, except for one time, I think you said one time it like wasn't there cause it had burned off or something happened to it. But <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Cause that was the last thing I expected was for him to like whip a hair tie off the bike. So. Right. That's pretty cool. cool. 
kind of clever. So uh, what did you yeah. think about the, the motorcycles racing inside Daytona International Speedway for the first time? How, how cool was that to you? That was really neat because it was, it still had that same feel of going to Daytona. That place just, there's something in the atmosphere there. When you go for the Daytona 500, you just feel it. So it was neat to have that same kind of aura around with the motorcycles and just seeing that newly built grandstand and the front stretch with how long that front stretch was, was just awesome. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing how this new track layout will be compared to last year's. Um, but I, I am going to say too, I do miss the short track just a little bit. Cause that was my first event with flat track. And I just really liked the racing out there and it was just such a short track that it was really fun to watch and a lot of high action, but I do like the TTs cause it adds a little bit of something different and it challenges the riders a little more to have to, you know, do right and left turns and a jump and be on a twin. So it definitely adds some more excitement that way for sure. I agree. Totally. Let's uh, talk about another new event that was on the schedule this year, the Buffalo chip. I know I, I was pretty <laughs> sick leading up to the Buffalo chip, so I didn't get to experience a lot of the uh, other festivities that go around the Buffalo chip, but they were racing literally like, you know, just barely a couple feet away from the fans and, and they made their way around the stage and, and, uh, around, you know, the track was just, the layout was really cool. Uh, the atmosphere was awesome and the racing was awesome too. So did you enjoy the Buffalo chip? Absolutely. That was one of my favorite events all year because number one, I'd never been to Sturgis prior to that. So just being in Sturgis alone and being able to see the sights, and when I say sights, yes, there were some sights, um, <laughs> but at the actual Buffalo chip, it was, it was really neat. Cause during the day it was kind of like, we weren't really sure how many people would be there. Cause it was a little slow, but then by the nighttime, as we started getting into the semis and the main event, there were people everywhere. And what blew my mind that I still laugh about, and I don't know if people could see this on the broadcast. Do you remember how they had the zip line set up? There were mm -hmm. people zip lining over the track while we were running the main event cracked me up because it was like nothing else it was almost like you're at a i don't even a know theme, what like a theme a park it's like a theme park yeah, or theme something park. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. the pra practically the fact that the fans could pretty much just reach out and like high five them as they went by it was unreal and then i'll never forget after the twins main event we're up on stage and i'm trying to interview i think it was jake johnson because he finished third that day and mm -hmm. they let the fans like come in onto the front stretch. And then there was that guy on that big bike right in front, just revving the engine on it, like, boom, <laughs> like loud as he could. There's like yep. strobe lights going off because they're setting up for the band. I'm trying to interview Jake. Like, I can't hear myself talking. He can't hear what I said to him. I can't hear what he's saying. And afterwards, we literally just looked at each other. We were just laughing because, like, I have no idea what happened. But it was still a really cool moment because that was his you know, first and only podium of the season. And he was excited to be up there. But I just remember being like, looking at him like, man, we're like a rock concert. Like we're like a famous person up here, like getting ready to perform. It was just crazy. I couldn't believe like how many people too just bum rush the stage as fast as they did once they let them over after the checkered flag flew. It was nuts, but yeah, I'm that, totally that looking was, forward to going back there. Cause that was a good time. Yeah, that was amazing. I don't think I've ever seen that at a flat track race before. I mean, I know they open up the pit area after the races and, you know, we do open up the pits be 
in between practice qualifying and, and opening ceremonies and stuff like that. But you're right. They just bum rushed and got there as fast as they could. They rode their bikes up there. They stopped. People were stopping yeah. doing burnouts on the front straightaway. There was just all kinds of stuff happening. And, and I was tra- down there trying to figure out how to get Briar up onto the stage on his motorcycle. And, and they're, they're, you know, they wanted us to originally be done like 15 minutes before we got done, but uh, they let it, uh, they let us stay and hang out. And I'm definitely looking forward to going back there this year. Yeah, it was really neat. I think that, uh, I'd heard earlier in the day that some of the people that were there were like a little bummed because certain like the middle bar was kind of shut down for the day. But then I think they realized like after they saw the show and the race that I think they absolutely loved it. I think the fans there had a great time and it definitely showed when we were all on stage and they were cheering, you know, as the guys were doing their interviews and stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. I had a great time. So, uh, looking at 2018, uh, have you signed a contract? You coming back with us this year or do you know yet? Well, technically haven't signed anything, but yes, I'll be back for 2018. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, awesome. I'm excited because, you know, it seems like silly season is definitely hit. We got a lot of guys moving around, a lot of guys with new rides, some guys going back down to singles. It's going to be interesting to watch how it all shakes out, but I'm excited to see what some of them can bring this year. Um, and see if anybody's got anything for Jared. And I know Jared and I have talked and, you know, at some of the races towards the end of the season, he had said, you know, this is awesome, but I'm kind of nervous for next year because, you know, am I going to be able to keep up with what we did? You know, so it's not, it's, I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing for him, but I do know that he um, is probably one of the most focused racers I've ever met. He's very intense, but like passionate about what he's doing. And I think that, he's definitely not going to let anybody just fly by. Like he's going to make them work for it. But I do think that this year there might be some riders out there that'll give him a run for his money for sure. Lots of changes. We're still waiting to hear for more changes. I know uh, silly seasons among us, but you know, in, in our sport, people kind of keep it secret until we show up at Savannah on the way down to uh, Daytona. But uh, with this show and with other avenues, I'm trying to get uh, as much information out to the public as I can. So uh, I'm just as, as excited as, about 2018 as you are, it sounds like. So uh, we know you got a busy day. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. We know you got to go put some makeup and fix some girls' hair for some competition tonight. So uh, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, a friend of mine, her daughters are on a competitive dance team, and um, she has to work a little later than expected today. So I'm on hair and makeup duty. So hopefully I don't mess it up too bad because for those that know me, hair and makeup's not exactly my most favorite thing to do, but I think I've got it okay at this point. I think I've got it okay. Enough to be able to do, you know, a nine, 10 and 12 year olds makeup. I think I could handle that at this point. Hopefully we'll see though, because you know how kids can be. <laughs> you have to do three girls. Three, yeah, three girls, hair and makeup. So wish me luck because it's a whole new adventure. And I don't have kids, so I've never really had to do that. And hopefully they're, because I'm not their mom, maybe they'll just, you know, be super nice about it. But you know how kids can be. They might be like, you're doing it wrong. That's not right. (laughs) So I'm hoping it goes smooth. Yeah, my fingers are crossed for you. Hopefully it does (laughs) go smooth. Again, thanks for your time, Heather. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, We'll talk to you soon, and we'll definitely see you down there at Daytona at the season opener. Awesome. Sounds good, Scotty. Thanks for calling. I'd like to give a special shout-out to John Vetus down there in Florida for recording my intro. And special thanks to Brent at Access Media Lab for designing our new logo. And we're going to be using that logo on iTunes. That's right, folks. We are on iTunes. Check us out. <laughs>